Welcome back! Welcome back to We Have Time Now. It's been so long. It has been a long time. We're in February. Happy February. We're recording Officially. this February 2nd. Which is valid. Two days before what huge life event? Mitski's album, Laurel Hell, comes out this Friday. Which, by this the time this Friday. episode comes out, will have already come out. So, like, what are you even doing? Listen, sorry, yeah, I want to be why? like, listen to this podcast, but also, why are you not listening yeah, to Yeah, why Laura? are you listening to this and not Mitski right now? Yeah. Have you streamed it yet? No. What are you what, doing? What? Stop. Go listen to Mitski and then come back. And for clarity, our podcast has nothing to do with that <laughs> album. <laughs> Wait, we we probably will do an episode on it. Yeah, probably. I'm imagining we will. I think for sure. I feel like we might just have, like, a Mitski episode just in general. Yeah, that'd be so good. Because I feel like we'll want to talk more. Well, it'll be, like, our Lord episode where we, like, talked about solar power, but, like... Also melodrama. Also reference melodrama and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Which I've like, been listening to melodrama, like, more lately because I got into, like, a melodrama mood. It's yeah. so good. It's sometimes it's I forget like how so good melodrama is. So fucking beautiful. Like I, someone played Supercut at work today, like kind of randomly, and I was like, stunned. Supercut is the one that's like actually not fair. <laughs> I think for me it's Hard Feelings. That's actually not hard. Fair. I mean, there's just so many ones. Yeah. Like the Louvre is also not fair. Mm. Like, oh, one of my coworkers was like, I feel like we were being robbed of being like 19 to 22 at the moment just because like. We don't get the, like, crazy phase because, like, everything feels really high stakes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we don't get, like, the zero consequences energy in no, our life. We get the all the consequences Like, everything all matters. The time. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, that melodrama energy, I'm, like, kind of missing it, but also I'm, like, tired. I was, like, so into the solar power energy. Yeah. And I'm, like, I kind of could use more melodrama energy. But you're kind of, you're kind of full sending your melodrama energy. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. You're doing it. I'm trying to. Yeah. But, like, I haven't gone there yet, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's tough right now. Yeah. We're in the middle of a huge freaking snowstorm. Which is not hot girl melodrama energy. (laughs) It's not hot girl melodrama energy at all. Yeah. Did you know today? I guess we should check in. (laughs) I have a story about today and I guess that's like a check in. I can't wait. Okay. Honestly today was fine. Like it was a chill day. Like I spent most of it inside because it was like crazy snowing outside. Mm -hmm. Like I would look out my window and it was like snow just like hurling in the wind. And I was like, okay, so no. Um, I'm not going outside, but then I was, like, I wanted to go to Whole Foods to specifically, like, I found this, like, smoothie recipe online, and I was, like, I want to try this smoothie, because that in there, this box that I'm pointing out in my room, is a blender that my cousin gave me for Christmas, and I have yet to use that blender. I want to use it to make smoothies. The other day, I went and got, like, most of the ingredients, the bananas, classic, you gotta have them, the blueberries, for sure. um, the spinach, like, I got all, like, all these things that I'm gonna make smoothies with. But I wanted to also add, like, a vanilla protein powder to it. Totally. Right. So I was like, I'm going to traverse the snow to Whole Foods to get this specific protein powder so I can make my smoothie. Uh I go all the way to Whole Foods, and, like, it was crazy out there. Like, like at least when I went, like, there was so much snow on the ground. Yeah. so much snow on the ground. Um, So it was, like, like, I was, like, definitely engaging, like, my thigh muscles. I go to Whole Foods... I, like, pick up a couple things, I go. Halfway through my walk back, I'm like, I got chocolate and chicken nuggets. In 
and I did not get this protein powder. <laughs> but listen, for. chicken is protein, so they're like yeah, kind of that. So, Isn't I that just, always I the way? I was at the store, and those were the vibes. Yeah. And I, left. <laughs> I didn't even go to the section with the protein powders. Like, I don't know what I was on that I was just like not. It's crazy out Not there. Thinking. I guess I was so focused on like getting there that like yeah. the, the overall goal was lost. Yes, super objective was not. <laughs> yeah, the super objective was completely lost. <laughs> but so I like it as like grocery shopping by vibes. Like grocery shopping by vibes is crazy because it's yeah. really fun because you're like ooh, yeah. but also like you get such a variety of things that like you can't really make anything. <laughs> <with>. <laughs> And Zeke was like, you should try making a list. And I was like, I'm sure that's what people do. <laughs> a grocery list is like a very common like concept. <laughs> so that you like keep remember what you're trying to get. And I only wanted one thing. So it wasn't, it wasn't even, even a list. list. <laughs> I could have written it on my hand. <laughs> but anyway, then I just, I got home and I was like, man, I was like kind of angry at myself. And I was like, whatever. And I made chicken nuggets. And then I had like a meeting for a play reading that I'm directing. Yeah, and that was fun. And then I just chilled. It's been a chill day. Yeah. 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 How are you? What's the vibe in the city? I'm good. I did go to work today. I had to open at the coffee store, but they let us open an hour late, which is like honestly a huge difference. (sighs) That was awesome. Especially that early. Yeah. Yeah, like waking up at 6 30 instead of 5 30. Oh my God. Huge difference. Um, and, you know, it's chill because uh, no one wanted to go outside, <laughs> so it's fine. Also, the cafe where I work has, like, the best lighting ever. Like, it's just, like, soft lighting and everything is, like, beachy bicycle inside. And it's, like, it's very pretty. So it's, like, if you're going to be inside somewhere, it's a nice place to be. Yeah, and then after that, I really just, like, kind of fucked around for a bit. Like, I didn't, I didn't do anything today. I played piano, which I, like, don't normally do. Wait, that's cool. But it was fun. I haven't played since I was, like, home. I want, like, a keyboard I can play, because when I was home, I started playing piano again, too. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Like, it this rocks. is a great way to use my time. Like, you know when you're, like, in the middle of the day, and, like, you could do something productive, but you're like, ugh. But then you're also like, I don't want to, like, just lay down and, like, watch TV either. Yeah. Piano was just so, like, nice. It's so nice. And it, like, I'm not, like, spiraling in my thoughts when I'm... Because it's, like, you're just focused on, like, reading the notes and, like, playing. Yeah. And it feels so good because it's, like, scratching that artistic itch a little bit. But also the stakes are nothing because it's, like, just you in your room. I'm not a pianist and I don't claim to be either. So it's, like, there's no pressure for me to be perfect at it either. Yeah, exactly. It just feels good to even just, like, get, like... A bar, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, damn, I can do this. This yeah, is awesome. Yeah, yeah, I was like playing Julia Jacqueline. And it was so much fun. I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> Wait, Rip, like, not seeing no, her. I know. Y'all, we had a full episode planned where we were going to talk about crushing because we were going to go see Julia Jacqueline live. And then she didn't come to the United States because of COVID, which is really fair. But it was heartbreaking. Mm. And Valensaw, she was opening for Car- Courtney Barnett. Yeah. Which you probably know if you're in Chicago. And Valensaw, Courtney. Yeah. Yeah. But no Julia Jacqueline. No Julia. Today we're talking about Yerma. Yes. It's a theater production we watched through the Service National Theater. Live. Live. Yeah. Um, it was recorded at this theater called Young Vic. 
Mm -hmm. um, in England. What we watched was an adaptation of the play by Simon Stone, who also directed the production that we watched. Yes, and it Um, features... Billy Piper, Billy Piper, Doctor Who, <laughs> and she's um, amazing. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. incredible in it. And just to give you like a description, a young woman is driven to the unthinkable by her desperate desire to have a child. Set in contemporary London, this radical production of Lorca's classic tragedy builds with elemental force to a staggering, shocking climax. Billy Piper plays the title role. So, this whole play surrounds this woman's intense like desire to have a child and her inability to conceive essentially and in this modern adaptation like she tries ivf like there are multiple avenues pursued to like have a child um and she talks about like adoption and all that stuff and she really wants to have a child biologically and she's basically driven to an extreme what i would call like a depression yeah and also eventually kind of like psychotic episode maybe towards the end yeah and it focuses a lot on her relationship with her husband or not husband the whole time it's at first just her boyfriend that she lives with who she later marries yes towards the middle of the play and you kind of see how their relationship evolves and also kind of falls apart um and how this like desperate need to have a child is kind of part of it yeah and then there's also the relationship with her sister Mm -hmm. and her mother and, like, an ex-boyfriend. And an ex-boyfriend that she kind of romanticizes what their time together was and what it meant. And yes. kind of yearns for him again. Yeah, well, because she got pregnant when she was with him. Right. And so that factor of, like, she knows that the two of them can conceive a child together. That's the part where she's like, I, <laughs> I'm i craving that from a relationship. Right. And she feels guilt over the fact that she... Um, aborted the baby yeah because now she's struggling so much to get pregnant yeah and I was just like blown away by this play it's not quite about motherhood but it's it's the yearning for motherhood yeah and we get like this background with her mother where her mother's like a second wave feminist and it's very like anti-children which is crazy and a very interesting relationship to have with your child yeah and her mother kind of admits that like Maybe she shouldn't have had children. And, like, Um, seems like she really didn't want to and had a pretty awful pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also this very interesting scene between her mother where um, she kind of tells her, like, you never really touched me or hugged me or gave me physical affection as a child. Like, why is that? Yeah. And then kind of confronts her mom and it's like, well, hug me right now. Like, like give me physical affection now. And it's just... It's, it's just, so it's funny. awkward. It's funny because it's awkward, but it's yeah. also like, whoa. I wonder how this this mother-daughter relationship ties into what she's struggling with now. Yes. In her own relationship and also in this intense desire she has to have a child. Something I loved about it is that it never, like, questions her. Yeah. And her, like, desire for having a child. And, like, other characters do, but, like... I think the writing is pretty clear that, like, yeah. it never invalidates her desire for a child. And, like, it's interesting because she has a blog. Like, her jo- she's a journalist yes, in this adaptation. Yes, there's a whole, like, through line where she we see scenes with her and her co-worker. Her co-worker who's, like, significantly younger. There's a really interesting moment in, I think, the first scene with the co-worker where she talks about how many times she's taken Plan B as her boss is, like, really actively struggling to get pregnant. And... Anyway, there's, like, a whole plot line where she's blogging about her, um, like, journey 
to get pregnant and it seems like she has a real audience for like what she's struggling with and all this stuff so I think like everything that the playwright does to emphasize the like validity of this desire and also how difficult it is is like super helpful to to not invalidating the desire right yeah the whole through line of her having the blog is super interesting because there's this whole kind of tension that's formed between her and her partner Mm. um yeah about it because she's disclosing a lot of personal information and pouring her heart out into her writing it really brought up the question of like at one point is it useful at one point is it too much to be sharing yourself and pouring your life out to strangers as a way to create content because also i feel like part of it is also her co-worker tells her like you should be writing about that like, yeah that's what people are going to want to read and it's true people eat it up yeah and she the co-worker even says like you've never pulled punches before why are you starting to now and i think the difference that they they make is that she wasn't writing about her own life before yeah you know she was like writing about societal issues or like yeah. political events and stuff and i thought that was a super interesting question to bring up in the theatrical piece which i think like <laughs> theater is always yeah. so like someone is someone is pouring their heart out whether it be the writer and the story that they created or um the director and their concept or the actors sometimes no, and are I feel straight like up Billy, pouring their heart out like full scent it and like watching her do bows i don't know she looked exhausted and i was like she clearly gave so much to this performance i mean that performance was i don't know how i if i could do something like that like i don't think we're supposed to be able to at our age honestly yeah i I think it it was very like age appropriately cast where like a full adult fully experienced actress can take on that role yeah and i don't know if i could at 23 like I don't know if I have the emotional strength to make it and perform several times a week. And also, I know that, like, it was in some ways kind of devised. Like, it was a very collaborative process between the actors and the director. And so I know that for a lot of the rehearsal process, they, like, didn't have the final script and all that stuff, which is, like, not unusual for new work, right? But, like, the way they were talking about it, it seemed like they were they were playing for, like, a large part of the rehearsal process. So I think there's... There's probably no world when, where what we saw on stage didn't come from the actors, at least substantially. Yeah. I think, like, the beginning and the ending of scenes was, like, so beautifully mm. crafted. It always ended at, like, such a moment. Yes. Where you were like, I want to see more, but I don't need to, to understand, yeah. to get what I need to get from this scene. It was very, like, efficient in, like... Efficient is such a, like, it feels like such a sterile, cold word, but, like, I think some of the best plays I've ever read are, like, the most efficient, where it's, like, I'm gonna use stage time when I actually need it. Yes. Um, and give the audience what they need, but nothing more. And the different kinds of snippets we get, like, yeah. scenes with her partner, scenes with her sister, scenes with her mom, scenes with her co-worker, scenes with her ex-boyfriend, they really, like, shifted in, I think, ways that, like, really, really worked about what you just said where it's like you didn't necessarily see the full like arc of the scene but you got exactly what you needed to i think that's so smart one in terms of keeping your audience engaged because they can imagine how that conversation goes and imply like the the effect you know and then two for like not asking your actors to like have a full like arc of a screaming match with their partner they and then have to, to they don't need to do it the audience can imagine like it's just such a, a genius use of that idea like use the audience's imagination to your advantage. Exactly. You know? It was exactly. so good. 
My favorite thing I think about the play is the pacing of it. Like the first scene, I started to watch it without subtitles and I was like, oh, holy shit, I cannot understand what they're saying. And it's not because of their accents. It was because they're like talking over yeah, each other so in an unfamiliar accent where I was like, there's too much happening. I need to like have some visual assistance here. It was so naturalistic and they allowed their momentum to build so effectively verbally for a text that is so genius and like so self-referential in a lot of ways and like really puts a lot of easter eggs in the dialogue early on like they're not too precious with it you know like if you miss something you miss something and that that is what it is and i think thematically that really makes sense because the times when you miss those moments the the words that get repeated the ideas that get repeated that's how like I think the central character feels like other people aren't hearing her or not taking care of her. It's like she said it a million times before, but maybe you missed the first three. I'm also just a sucker for overlapping dialogue. Oh, yeah. It's so satisfying. That's something I love about another play that I'm sure we'll discuss at some point, How to Defend Yourself. Just like, yeah, overlapping dialogue to me, it really is, I have no like deep thought on why I like it other than like, yeah, people talk at the same time all the time. <laughs> I'm like, our podcast, we talk at the same time a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's so like, why shouldn't they in theater? Like, I think that's just, like, cool when people, like, intentionally are, like, and this is said at the same time, and, like, people are going to capture what they capture, and they might capture nothing. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's, like, kind of funny, or maybe it's stressful, you know? Yeah. like It's not holding the audience's hand the whole time. Yeah. It feels like this production has a lot of trust in its audience, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Because you can tell when there's no trust in the audience. Yeah. When things are being spelled out too much for you. Yeah. Which is an impulse I understand completely as, like, someone who's, like, created and and directed and written. Because it's, like, you so desperately want people to get what you're trying to do. Yeah. So you, like, try to, like, make sure, like, put, like, different things in place to make sure they get it. And, like, they don't miss something. But... Sometimes in doing that, it's a little too in your face. Yeah. And you lose sight of like, oh, there's this is people and this is a story and this is something yes. that's happening. And I think I was still very much impacted by this production. I'm very much took away things from it without having gotten every single thing that was said or, yeah. you know, I bet I could watch it five more times and get like yeah. a bunch of new things from it. Yeah, totally. But it's crazy to think about like streamed theater mm-hmm. as a concept because you can do that because the theatrical experience is not meant to Mm-mm. be that way it's not meant for you to you know like a very good movie that you watch several times so you can get all the easter eggs it's yeah. supposed to be you go one night and you leave and like it hit you how it hit you yeah so it's which is like kind of beautiful yeah that, like it's so cool that we have the opportunity to watch it again if we want to yeah because i definitely i've seen it twice and I definitely, like, got more the second time where, you know, you can kind of, like, see those warning signs as you're going in. Um, and I feel like the second time I watched it, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm noticing things, like, craft-wise that you were doing, which is awesome instead of focusing on the story. And what does it even mean to, like, see something? Because it's like, yeah, the second time you probably, like, were more attuned to, like, what the lines deeply meant and how they set up what's going to happen later. Yeah. But how do you know they weren't already prepping you in a way that you oh, yeah. didn't I even mean, notice totally. the first time? Yeah. Because sometimes, like, we watch stuff and we take stuff in. We feel like we're not taking it in and we don't even notice. But, like, subconsciously, like, it is prepping us. Right. And it is setting a mood or it's setting an emotional quality yeah. to it. 
Or making you ready to hear those words in that order yeah. again. Whether you time. know you're being prepped or not. Yeah. obsessed with this one scene in the beginning is the first scene with the with the ex-boyfriend it's so good and it's like you don't realize how much is there until like later on yeah but it's like it's so awkward it's so awkward this stage is like this glass container and it feels very much like watching something you should not watch because there's like a literal glass barrier and it feels like a little bit fishbowl-y in a way but also like just the awkwardness (laughs) I don't even, like, I don't have anything specific to say about it. It's just, it's beautiful. And I think that speaks to how, like, even though we didn't have all the answers yet about, like, what kind of relationship we were looking at, because it's not explicitly stated, like, you're my ex-boyfriend. Like, you discover as, like, the conversation unfolds, like, oh, they used to be together. They're seeing each other after a long period of time. Like, that's, that's, like, kind of all awkward. we got from that scene. Right. We, we don't even get, like, the details of what happened during the relationship, we don't yeah. definitely don't get, like, that she got pregnant um, during the relationship. Even though we didn't get, like, the literal information in language, I got the vibe. Yeah, you know, you know the saying? vibe like, is so clear. Like, it was so, it's so clear. clear. Like, okay, so they haven't seen each other in a while. Like, and also there's, like, some happened. insane intimacy happening right now. Yeah, where it's, like, they're, they're definitely connecting in a way that I'm like, whoa. Like, yeah. Like, Obviously, yeah. you're not doing anything wrong, but whoa, girl. Like, but like what's, wow. What's this, who is this man? And like, he has, like, opinions about the person you're with now. Yeah. And, like, I don't know what they are, but they're definitely there. <laughs> and I think that's a testament to the writing and also the performances. Yes, like, They totally. really, like, they really took in their, like, circumstances and their history. And yeah. were like, okay, this is this moment. <laughs> yeah. Because I totally believed it. And even yeah. when I did eventually get the literal information and the literal context of the relationship, it, like, fit in, like, perfectly, like, a puzzle piece, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's something else about, like, the writing of it is it, it's these, like, huge, important moments, but then we have, like, big gaps of time in between. And so I, I love that because... There's no, like, pressure to make everything make, like, perfect arcs within it. You know, like, th- the story has perfect arcs for sure. And, like, well-thought-out arcs for the characters. But we, like, really don't see the arc. We just see, like, a moment. It just allows for that, like, emotional truth, the, like, the vibes to be the most important thing. For a play that's, like, largely concerned with sex, there was very little literal sex There was it. very little. I mean, I, I'm trying to think more of, like, the intimacy. And I'm sure there was a lot of intimate moments that yeah. weren't literal, like, sex moments. Yeah. Because, like, they have that one... The very first scene, there's a lot of, like, intimate touch, but it's not, like, a sex scene. Yeah. I feel like my entryway into, like, knowing about the intimacy world is you. And at least from our conversations about it, it seems like at least what's happening in, like, spaces where people are being trained and very intentional about it, that intimacy is way more than just, like, sex scenes. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because, honestly, when I was in class in the fall, it seems like there's a bit of a, like, I don't know, I think because it's such a new field, people are, like, reframing what it means to do intimacy for a show and, like... I know there are some people who are like, please don't ask me to come on and be like your wellness chair because if you're looking for someone who's like a therapist for your group, that's I'm not trained to do that. That's not my job. And like, 
so that's like one side of it where people are like no I'm here to like stage intimacy I'm not here to like be emotional support for a production um but then like I just signed on to a project where there isn't any intimacy in the script at all someone just like wanted resources to have in the space and I like I'm I'm all about that I mean like they know I'm not a therapist and I I'm not like trained to like do therapy for a yeah. group and I but, trust like, that you're very like honest about yeah what your expertise is you know? yeah and if they want like bookending techniques and like stuff like that I, I live for that I can do that all day um but it's interesting because they didn't ask me to stage any anything really yeah. <laughs> so and and I'm on the project and it's a new play so if something comes up where they want to incorporate some intimacy like I can definitely help with that but yeah so anyway like yes yes it is way more than sex scenes I think there is something to be said about like observing yourself in an emotion and being like okay so how do I feel when I'm in this emotion yeah what is my breathing like what is my facial expression like where is my tension because that's useful when you're acting because you don't have to actually like be in that emotion to like be like okay I remember when I'm feeling this way I breathe like this and I I feel like the way I approach acting is a lot like that where it's just like I'm just gonna physically embody it yeah because that is enough yeah your body does not know you're lying my my body doesn't need to get into that zone the body just needs to think I am there yeah um, and honestly, that is useful. As opposed to, like, the emotional acting. recall thing. Like, I've done that before. And A, I think it's so hard to, like... I think it's really hard. ...on demand just feel those things. And I know it's actually way easier for some people than others. Like, I actually think it's a very individual thing. Like, I think some yeah. people, like, very much can emotional recall and, like, totally get there, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. wherever there is. Yeah. But I always feel such an immense block whenever I try to, like go back to sad memories like my body just won't let me do that it's probably other really people. healthy <laughs> yeah. yeah like immense and I've been like frustrated at the block before but now I'm like I think I'm just not gonna fight it anymore yeah oh my god like, and also like you're using my a great actor so like you don't need to be doing things that like don't work for you because you have so many like tools available to you you know yeah I think my I think outside in is like yeah a good approach I don't, I, yeah <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I also don't, I think the, like, emotional recall stuff makes me, like, um, self-aware in a way that isn't necessarily useful, because I'm, like, a big proponent of, like, it's about what the audience is getting from the moment. It's not about what I'm feeling. Yeah. And I think emotional recall makes me, like, a more selfish actor. Yeah. And I I don't want to do that. I also don't like art that's... Like it's, like, that. self-indulgent. Yeah. It's, like, very, like, oh, my God, I, I got sad on, uh, like, while yeah. I was being watched, like, go yeah. me, like, I, like, fucking cried in front of these people, but it's also, like... It feels less reliable. Ooh, like, it feels... Very, yeah. Whoa, like, I, I really just sacrificed my well-being for other people. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I really liked... What I really did like about our acting class is... Our we did a lot like of exercises of on, like, eye contact with the audience, yeah. looking out, because I think when you do emotional recall, it's so easy to go... Like, I go completely inwards. Like, I'm yeah. feeling everything inside. Yeah, Who I'm not, like, with my scene read. partner yeah, doing emotional yeah. recall. I'm not present in the scene. Yeah, I'm, no. like, thinking about the traumatic moment I'm thinking about. Yeah. But when I'm just, like, focused on, like, how it's physically showing, I can be so pr- more, much more present, and yeah. I can live in, like, a much more imaginary circumstance... Like, it'll affect the character, it won't affect, like, Val and Marie. <laughs> right. And, like, your memories of that event, you know, 
using things for theater, like using people in your life and all that stuff, like it, it, it just like, it's a weird line, yeah. you know? And it's like, it definitely impacts your, your life and your yeah. emotions. Tying it back to your mo real fast. <laughs> I think for a show that is like deeply psychological in a lot of ways and like very, we watch her internal journey i think it'd be really easy for it to be like a internal process for the actor playing yurma i think so much of the action between two characters is so like clear and present that it doesn't really come off that way like in all the scenes with her husband he's like trying to pull it out of her it's so crazy it's so no it, yurma's a perfect example of like you don't need to go internal to show your internal life yeah because she like I can tell the actress just fully knows her internal circumstances for her character, where she deeply needs what she needs from her scene partner in every scene. And it's so scene. about that. And we don't need to know the reasons why or the history behind it or what her internal life is because she so desperately needs... She needs her husband to also want this baby. Yeah. Or she, she needs Victor to, like, stay in the city. Yes. She, yeah. She needs it so bad that it's like, I get exactly where her mind is. Because she's with her scene partner in that moment and desperately trying to pull it out of the people in her life. Yes. And I feel like that's truer, truer to human behavior because it's like, people don't know what we're going through on our own, but yeah. they notice, they have observations about how we interact with others. Yeah. And from those observations kind of make conclusions or like hypotheses about like what we may be going through right exactly and i actually now that you say it i think that's such a like huge audience safety mechanism that yerma did a great job with it's because we don't like see her on her own a lot like in the story yeah. we're not like told explicitly as audience members to empathize with her like we're trying to figure out what's happening along with everyone else in the story which i think is so imp like we do spend more time with her than anyone else but like i don't know it's never like the musical theater thing of like the main character sings a solo and we feel everything they're yeah. feeling like it's never that it's really about the relationship that's happening and we yeah. like watch this relationship unfold which i think is hugely important so we're not like put in her shoes yeah and also i think what you were saying about like the moments about like she needs something from that person and it's not like necessarily clear the impact that thing will have on her that's just such a, a testament to the moments they chose to pick out of this arc for the story. Like, I think that's really smart writing mm -hmm. as well. We don't need to see her alone in every moment no. of suffering that she's in. Like, No. I get so much from the way she, like, bounces back from all the people in her life. And the way that it switches and she's trying to, like, fill the need in different places... The entire time and it just like does not work and also okay i was thinking God, this also so when you're talking about oh, she was so good she was so fantastic she's so phenomenal holy really shit. like shout out billy piper <laughs> like that was a phenomenal performance wow it's so it's so clear it's just so clear and like about something i've never like never anything close to experiencing <laughs> and it like ad annihilated me it was it, so good <laughs> We are happy to be back. We're happy to be back. Thanks yeah. for listening. Yeah. We'll be back with more content. Cool. Yay. <laughs> Have a good week. Love you. Love Bye. you. Bye. Bye.